Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Heather and it's great to be with you this morning. And today we come to the third of our talks in our Advent series. Advent is that time of year when we're getting ourselves ready for Christmas. And our theme for Advent this year is hope. And hope, I'm sure you'll all agree, is something we really need to hear about right now after what's been a very difficult year for many of us. And each week we are looking at a different aspect of the hope of Jesus' birth by looking at one of the most famous Advent readings from Isaiah chapter 9. And this week we come to the hope of love. And here's our lunchtime summary. Christmas promises us a father's love, a love that sees our every need and cares for us. Now, Advent is traditionally a time when, as Christians, we try and take time to slow down and to reflect on Jesus, on who he is, and on what his birth, life, and death mean for us. But often, Advent is also one of the busiest times of the year for us, which can make pausing and reflecting quite challenging to fit in. There often seems to be barely time to take a breath between working out who needs a Christmas jumper when and who needs to learn lines for a nativity play or writing cards and buying presents and seeing lights and on and on goes the list. But this year, much as I'm not particularly enjoying lockdowns and restrictions, they have actually meant that life is a little less busy this Advent. And so I've been trying to take some time just to slow down a little and to reflect some more on the story of Jesus and what his birth means for us. And I want to share some of those reflections with you this morning. God began preparing his people for Jesus a long, long time before he was born. 700 years before Jesus' birth, Isaiah was a prophet in the land of Judah. He wrote of a promised king who would reveal to us the very heart of God. And we're just going to have a look at that famous reading from Isaiah 9, chapter 6. And it says these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah was writing in a time of relative prosperity for Judah, but there was also a very much an every man for himself attitude. The poor were often oppressed, injustice was common, the religious life of the nation had become ritualistic, and the hearts of the people remained cold towards God. But amidst all of this, Isaiah speaks words of hope. God spoke through his prophet of a king who would be born from the remnants of God's people and bring peace to the nations and reign like no other. This king, of course, is Jesus. God tells Isaiah that there are four names by which the coming king would be called. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And over the last two weeks, Phil's looked at the first two of those names, and I really encourage you to take a look at those talks if you haven't done already. And today we come to the third, Everlasting Father. 
Now, all of these names speak to the very heart of who Jesus is. They are layers of his character, of what he is like. And they're all things that God wants us to understand about him. Now, this name, Everlasting Father, speaks ultimately of love. But to break it down, there are three things that I want to draw out this morning. Firstly, that it speaks of his divinity. Secondly, that it speaks of his compassion. And thirdly, that it speaks of his care for the hopeless. So firstly then, it speaks of his divinity. The name Father is used throughout the Bible as a way of referring to God. If there were any doubt that Jesus is divine, that is to say that he is God, then this title should dispel that. If God is giving the name Everlasting Father to Jesus, then he is saying that the coming king would share his own father-like divine qualities. So what are they? What does it mean to say that Jesus will be called Everlasting Father? Not all our own experiences of fatherhood may be positive ones. In fact, some people have incredibly negative, even damaging experiences of their own earthly fathers. But God is different. In Isaiah 64 and verse 8, it says this, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. God is our father and our creator. He formed us. We are the work of his hands. There is a great parallel here with the words in 1 John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And this is speaking, of course, about Jesus. Jesus is the one through whom we are all made. And there is something incredibly comforting about that, I think, because it means that you are not an accident of birth. I'm not an accident of birth. We are created intentionally by a loving Father. So to say that Jesus will be called Everlasting Father is also to say that he formed us. He was there with God at at the beginning, as we read in 1 John. And if he formed us, then he knows us. He knows every part of us. Psalm 139 has these wonderful words about God's intimate knowledge of us. It says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Perhaps you feel a bit lost or lonely at the moment. Maybe you feel that nobody understands you or gets you or sees how you feel. But God knows. He formed you. He made you and he knows your every thought. You are precious in his sight. And if he knows all there is to know about us, then there's nothing that we cannot bring to him. There's no prayer too angry or too silly or too frustrated, too confused that we cannot bring to God. He knows it all already. 
And it also means that he can speak powerfully with the greatest insight into our lives. It means that God is our Father. That's what it means that he's our Father. And Jesus is like him. We can bring anything to our Heavenly Father. So secondly then, it speaks of his compassion. A father has compassion on his children. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Compassion is often rendered mercy or loving kindness or tender love in the Bible. God loves you. You are his child. He made you and he loves you and he wants to show you his love. Over the last couple of years, I've helped to run Alpha courses in Feltham Young Offenders uh, and I'm was conscious as we were running the courses there with these young men in the videos, the words, the words, God loves you, come up a lot. And I wondered, I thought, I wonder how these young men will, will take hearing those words. Will they find them a bit soppy? But I was proved wrong in the final week of one of those courses. It turns out that you really cannot hear too much that you are loved One of the young men who I'd spent a lot of time talking to over the course said to me, you know, miss, this is the only place that I come each week where I feel that someone cares about me. Now, that statement is both incredibly sad and also incredibly telling. The place where this young man felt most loved was in the presence of those telling him over and over and over again that God loves him and that we, in turn, as followers of Jesus, were sharing that same love for him as well. He is far from perfect, as indeed we all are, but that doesn't make him any less a child of God, a life created and planned for by God, and it doesn't make him any less lovable to God either. God is a compassionate father. He sees us where we are, and he cares for us. He knows how to show us love, and Jesus is the same. Go away and have a read of the parable of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. It illustrates this point brilliantly. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but it's a beautiful picture of the father's love, of his compassion for his son, even when we run away and we make mistakes. Perhaps you feel like that man on the Alpha course. Perhaps you feel like no one particularly cares about you, that you don't have family or friends who care about you or what you're doing with your life or who will help you to make a change. Perhaps especially so at a time when our social contact has been as limited as it has been this year. But God cares. God loves you. He is the God of compassion. And that compassion we have to remember as well, takes many forms. It also takes the form of fatherly discipline. In Proverbs 3, verse 11 to 12, it says, 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. We've also just completed an Alpha course online um, at church over the lockdown. And I love the testimonies of the ex-offenders in the videos. And they all tell in some way or another of the compassion that Jesus showed them in disciplining them. They were all changed. They were touched by God's spirit, showing them that what they were doing in some parts of their lives was wrong, that they were not orientated towards him, and that it was harming them and others. Now, that's not a a loveless telling off. It is the true, compassionate discipline of a father who loves us, a father who loves us enough to, to help us to set those boundaries and to show us how we can live in a way in which we are going to flourish. Only a father who created us can show us that. Now, discipline isn't a very fashionable thing to talk about these days, but the reality is that any loving father will provide us with boundaries. We will have all had parents, perhaps some of us are also parents, and I'm sure we can identify with that. We are blind and wandering around in the dark without someone to show us where to put our feet. Phil spoke two weeks ago about the hope of light, of the wise counsel that we find in Jesus. When we don't have boundaries and good counsel set for us by a loving father, ultimately we will look somewhere else because There's something inside of us which desires, actually, to be shown how to live. The most common reason I hear from those giving their testimony of being involved in gangs is that somewhere that they wanted somewhere to belong and for someone to show them how to live, what to do. When they didn't find it anywhere else, they looked to a gang to provide it. Compassion involves boundaries and discipline. And God gives that to us. We need to be careful not to despise the teaching of God through his word because it is full of wisdom. Now, discipline isn't always easy to hear. We we don't like to hear that we maybe could live our lives a little bit differently. But I think we can all perhaps understand that somewhere in it that that it's good for us to go through that process. The tragedy for many young people in our society today is that they've lost their way because we've stopped showing them that compassion. We've stopped setting boundaries. 80% of the young men in Feltham affiliate to a gang. 80%. What those young men need to know is that they have a father who loves them who cares for them, who can show them a better way to live. We need to tell them about Jesus. And not just the prisoners, but our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues. Ultimately, we're all searching. And it's in Jesus that we find the most beautiful plan for our life. Boundaries which will enable us to flourish, not to feel suffocated, but to live well. And thirdly then, it speaks of his care for the hopeless. Psalm 68 and verses 5 to 6 say these words. 
A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. This verse, in many ways, needs little expanding. God cares for orphans. He cares for widows. He cares for the lonely. He cares for prisoners. He cares for all those on the fringes of our society, all of those who perhaps are so often unseen by others. I'm not sure whether any of you are orphans. I know a number of you may be widows. And I expect many of us have felt lonely, especially over the last few months. God loves you. And he cares for you with a father's heart. Jesus displayed this same heart time and again over the course of his ministry. He spent time with people like those those we've talked about on the fringes of our society. He didn't treat them any differently to anyone else. If anything, he spent more time with the poor and the sick and the lonely than he did with other people. This is the Jesus that Isaiah is talking about when he said that he would be called our everlasting father. And he's certainly a father that I want to know. He's the father I need to know. I need to know that. At times over the last few months, especially, I have needed to know. Finally then, he is our everlasting father. He will never leave us. Isaiah 26 verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. There is no one else who can make that claim. Not one. Jesus is eternal. He isn't going anywhere. His love isn't going away. Even if we wander and stray and mess up and trip up, just like that picture of the father and his prodigal son coming home, God's still there. He's still waiting for us. He will always be ready to receive us with a father's love. He is here for good. He is here to stay. I just want to take a couple of minutes at the end of this talk just to think about some points of application. What can we take from all of this? Well, firstly, we can know Jesus' heart for us. You are loved and you are loved with a father's love. A deep, everlasting, compassionate and caring love. If you have never known Jesus' love for you before, but you want to know it today, then why not accept him into your heart today, right where you are? Secondly, Jesus is compassionate. Perhaps you've messed up recently. Come to God, say your sorry, receive his love and his forgiveness. Allow him to heal your heart and to teach you. To put good boundaries back into your life so that you can flourish again. Pick up the Bible. Start to read. Read about this awesome king that God has sent to rescue us. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Thirdly, Jesus has his father's heart for those living without hope, those on the edges of our society. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to become like him. How are we doing at loving others, especially those like the fatherless, prisoners, the widow, the lonely? Jesus had a special heart for them, and we should too. And it will bless you as well. 
I have missed so much going into the prison the last few months when lockdown hasn't allowed it. Sharing in the work of God is the most incredible privilege and blessing. That last verse in Isaiah said, God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing. And I literally experienced that verse in Feltham a few months back. God is providing for families, families for these men, by connecting them with churches when they come out of prison. And on the final session of one of our Alpha courses, we had a time of worship and of singing, and every man in that room was praising God with his hands lifted high in worship. Every single one of them gave their lives to Jesus. That's it. It's that verse. God sets the lonely in families, and he leads the prisoners out with singing. It was honestly one of the most incredible experiences of my life to see that. This is the king that we are waiting expectantly for this Advent season. Jesus, who loves you with a father's heart, who sees your every need and who cares for you.